Hi, this is Randy Bachman with another Vinyl Tapcast. Put on your seatbelts. We're going to take a ride in the rock and roll time machine and celebrate where the music really, really kicked in around the world. Celebrating 1969. There was Woodstock Festival. There was the Seattle Pop Festival. Music was coming to the fore. Everybody was playing. It was the summer of music and love. And we're going to start out with the anthem that rocked the world. Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock, August the 15th to 18th. It was full of incredible artists. It was a disaster. It would rain. There wasn't enough toilet. There wasn't enough water. That's why it was on the news and filmed. But the guys who survived have become famous and etched in time. Richie Havens, Country Joe, John Sebastian from The Spoonful, Incredible String Band, Ravi Shankar, Melanie, Arlo Guthrie, Joan Baez, Santana, Canned Heat, Mountain, Janis Joplin, Sly and the Family Stone, Grateful Dead, Creedence Clearwater, The Who, Jefferson Airplane, Joe Cocker, Woo, The Band, Blood, Sweat and Tears, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Shauna Na, and Jimi Hendrix. And here's Jimi with the anthem from Woodstock. Jimi Hendrix to Crosby, Stills, Nash with Neil Young in the band. Now they could play live because Neil was there. And that's celebrating what the big thing that happened in August of 1969, Woodstock. Other things that happened were the Rolling Stones took a country song by Hank Williams called Honky Tonk Blues, jammed it into a song called Country Honk with fiddle and stomping around in a room, and then they rock and rolled it up. It became Honky Tonk Woman and sold a million copies. Here's the Rolling Stones with Honky Tonk Woman. Tonk Women, the Rolling Stones. By the time 1969 came, I had been in a band called the Guess Who for six years. We had released over 20 singles that went kind of, it went kind of to a few places, but basically went nowhere. And then some magic happened. We got assistance by a guy named Jack Richardson, a producer in Toronto, and Mr. Phil Ramone, who went on to be one of the greatest producers in the world, doing Paul McCartney and Chicago and Billy Joel and then had a great his own studio. We went to Phil Ramone's studio, A&R Studios in New York City and cut this song called These Eyes. 
Canadian radio turned their nose up at it and said, oh, not another single by the Guess Who? They've already had two dozen singles by these guys. And thank God Rosalie Trombley on CKLW in Windsor, Ontario, played it. They were a 50,000-watt station. And when they heard these eyes across the river there in Detroit, uh, Toledo started to play it in Cleveland, and we had a big breakout in the northeast of the country and spread all over, and these eyes sold a million copies. We got our gold records given to us on American Bandstand by Dick Clark, and the punks from Winnipeg had hit the big time. So here's Burton Cummings and the Guess Who, myself on guitar, Jim Cale on bass, Gary Peterson on drums with these eyes. taking you back to the mid-60s. We're doing 1969, but in the mid-60s, something happened. There was pop music all over the radio. Radio was very, very segregated. There was white stations and black stations. The black just played black music and the white played white. Something came out of Detroit that was amazing. Motown Records. Started by Barry Gordy Jr. in a neighborhood, and I heard about the studio. I went to see it. It was a house. In the house, you went downstairs. The basement floor was dirt. There was a stake hammered in the ground, a wooden stake that went in front of the bass drum to hold the bass drum from sliding around in the dirt. Talk about being grounded. This studio was really, really grounded. Out of this came incredible music. He went to the neighborhood. He got different people to write songs. Then people would record the same song over and over, The Supremes, The Temptations, The Primes. Everybody, they would have their own little trial every Friday and say, which version of the song should we put out? And they would pick one, it would go out and maybe be a hit. This band called The Temptations was two doo-wop groups that broke up and the survivors got together, started singing doo-wop, went and auditioned for Motown, got signed immediately. Tried and tried and tried. They were basically called the no-hit Temptations. Finally, they got this song, their big hit from 1969, The Temptations, Can't Get Next to You. Temptations with Can't Get Next to You. Now, preceding Woodstock, which we started the show with, in July, in Woodenville, Washington, was the Seattle Pop Festival. On the festival was Led Zeppelin on their first tour, 10 years after. Ike and Tina Turner, The Birds, The Guess Who. I was there with The Guess Who. We played all three days. Sly and the Family Stone, Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley. It was an amazing, amazing pop festival. I had met Jimmy Page earlier in 1967 when the Guess Who went to Cleveland and played a show called Upbeat, and we also played the Cleveland Art Institute, and we shared our dressing room, which is basically a student's room with desks in it, with the New Yardbirds. And Jimmy Page was there with the remnants of the Yardbirds, they were called the New Yardbirds, just to get some money to go back to England and start his new band. So right after this gig, he went back and started his new band, 
They put out their album. They were called Led Zeppelin. They were on the Seattle Pop Festival. I remember standing next to them uh, in the audience because we'd play in the afternoon and then just go stand in the audience and watch Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and the Birds and, and everybody else do their gig. I stood next to them and then I watched them play. They were amazing. They'd stop in the middle of the song and jam things out that were incredible. From the opening track on Led Zeppelin number one at the Seattle Pop Festival and dig the bass on this. John Paul Jones on bass is amazing. Good times, bad times. Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin, Good Times, Bad Times. Also on the Seattle Pop Festival was this band, Sylvester Stone, Sly Stone and the Family Stone, with his sister Rosie on vocals and a couple other people that were his cousins and brothers in the band, except for Larry Graham on bass. So then later when they broke up, started Graham Central Station, great bass player. Here's Sly and the Family Stone with Everyday People. Flying the Family Stone, Everyday People. We mentioned earlier in the show that the Beatles knew it was over. They knew it was their last gig. They went up on the rooftop and played. They had written this song. They had Billy Preston join them on piano. John's playing the lead guitar. Here's the Beatles on the roof of Apple, 1969, Get Back. Get back the Beatles. Paul McCartney on vocals, John Lennon playing lead guitar on that, George on the bass, and Billy Preston on the keyboards. When the Beatles were creating their masterpiece, Sgt. Pepper album, they were smart. They took turns singing lead. So every drummer in the world would sing Ringo's songs. Every lead guitar player like me, I would sing George's songs. And it gave the band quadruple appeal because everybody liked Paul and then a different group of uh, basically girls like John or guys and other people like Ringo. So they wrote specific songs for Ringo and they wrote this song that was on Sgt. Pepper called With a Little Help From My Friends. It was written in 3-4 time and then a little while later it was picked up by a wonderful guy who I've toured with, Joe Cocker, and he went into the studio with Denny Cordell, his producer. They got Jimmy Page on lead guitar, B.J. Wilson from Procol Harum on drums, Stevie Winwood on organ, Madeline Bell, Rosetta Hightower doing the background vocals and did this song that was amazing. Totally different than the Beatles version and what a rock classic it was. Joe Cocker with a little help from my friends. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song I will try not to sing out of key yeah. 
With a little help from my friends, and it's weird to say this, but way back at the turn of the century, <laughs> in early 2000, I was with the Guess Who. We were touring the USA. We had reformed, and our opening act was Joe Cocker. And I went on every night to see him sing that song, and it hit the scream in the middle, and it was fantastic. 1969 was a great year for Canadian music. Guess Who were on the charts, and these guys were all over the charts. They were called The Band. They're from Toronto. They were hanging out in Toronto. Robbie Robinson was the lead guitar player. They were backing uh, Ronnie Hawkins, and they got called to back up Bob Dylan. He called them The Band. There's their song called Cripple Creek, written by Robbie Robertson, sung by the drummer Levon Helm. And it's the first time a clavinet was played with a wah-wah, which then went on to become a standard thing that a lot of people did. Here's the band with Levon Helm on vocals, written by Robbie Robertson, up on Cripple Creek. in their basement of a house they called Big Pink. That was Levon Helm and the band. You can send us mail, if you care to, to Randy's Vinyl Tap, P.O. Box 2100, Sydney, B.C., Canada, V8L3S6. Email can go to mailbag at randysvinyltap.com. We'd love to hear from you. Our time machine is in 1969. It was a great year for a band. That sounds like they came from the backwood swamp of New Orleans, Louisiana, but they were from Berkeley, California. They were the Fogarty brothers, John Fogarty on lead guitar and vocals, his brother Tom on rhythm guitar and vocals, and their brother Bob was their manager, and they had a couple of high school friends, Doug Clifford and Stu Cook on bass and drums. The Beatles had packed it in, and the top band in the world was becoming very quickly in 1969, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Here they are with Back to Back, Proud Mary and Bad Moon Rising. Clearwater Revival, and now let's get back to Canada. Written by David Clayton Thomas, the great singer, had a band called The Bossman. Uh, when they broke up, he took this song, Spinning Wheel, went to New York, joined a band called Blood, Sweat, and Tears that was in the 
the vein of Chicago, who called themselves a rock band with horns. This was another rock band with horns. Here's David Clayton Thomas, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, with their big hit, Spinning Wheel. David Clayton Thomas, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, with a song that rocked the world, Spinning Wheel. We're time-traveling to the year 1969, and what happened in 1969, we told you a little bit. The Seattle Pop Festival happened in July. I was there for all three days and played all three days, 75,000 fans. Then Woodstock in New York had 350,000 fans. The Atlanta International Pop Festival had 100,000 fans. The Isle of Wight in England had 150,000 fans come there. The Beatles recorded their last album together. Golda Meir, I didn't know this, of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, becomes the Prime Minister of Israel. PBS started public broadcasting. Butch Cassidy, the Sundance Kid, was the big movie, and the first book by Mario Puzo, the first Godfather book, came out, which led to a series of Godfather books and probably the greatest movies ever made, Godfather 1, 2, 3, and 4. This band came out of the mid-60s in England. They were incredible. They recorded Abbey Road, but they didn't sound like any other other British bands who all had the Beatles' Mersey beat. These guys had their own sound, led by Rod Argent, keyboard player who wrote all the songs, and a great vocalist named Colin Blundstone. I was in the Guess Who, Burton Cummings, and I loved this band, Rod Argent and the Zombies, they were called, the Zombies. Time of the season. Listen to this, listen to this song, and then after this, we're going to play... She's come undone, which I wrote to kind of be like that. So here's the zombies, time of the season. It's the time of the season When love runs high In this time, give it to me easy And let me try with pleasured hands To take you in the sun To promised lands To show you everyone of the zombies with time of the season if you can go and see them they are touring right now with Rod Argent on keyboard and the incredible Colin Blundstone singing they got inducted into the Rock Hall of Fame two years ago and they are back on the road you gotta go see them they're great songs so I mentioned earlier the guess who we had these eyes it was a million seller single Dick Clark gave us our gold records on American Bandstand on a Saturday morning and then we were terrified we had a million selling hit and would we be a one hit wonder Burton and I wrote a couple of songs. One was called Laughing, and then I wrote one called She's Come Undone. It came out and Laughing stopped selling at about 750,000, so we were being called a one-hit wonder because it didn't sell a million like these eyes. But then a DJ somewhere flipped it over and started to play the other side, She's Come Undone, that I had written alone. And together, as a double A side, it sold a million and a half copies. We were no longer a one-hit wonder. Hooray. Here's the guess who, back-to-back, laughing, and she's come undone. I should laugh, but I cry, because your love has passed me by. 
You took me by surprise You didn't realize That I was waiting Time goes What she was headed for It was too late She's come undone She found a mountain that was far too high And when she found out she couldn't fly She's come undone with the 19-year-old Burton Cummings Great vocal there I was privileged to tour with Burton this summer And I want to thank everybody who came out to our gigs And maybe we'll be back next year It will be fun 1969 was the culmination of five or six hits by this band, written by Robbie Krieger on guitar. Jim Morrison putting his lyrics to it and singing along. They were called The Doors, and here's a song called Touch Me. The Doors with Touch Me Baby. We're going to go back to Canada again. Another band that came out, they were called Motherload. I knew all these guys, they were a great bunch of guys. They had a song that got ignored by Canadian radio until it was made it to top 20 in Billboard. And finally, Canadian radio played it and it became a number one hit in Canada. Here is Motherload with When I Die. That was Mother Load with When I Die. Here's a guy I met, and I really loved this guy. He had an incredible southern accent. He was a really nice gentleman. Wrote a bunch of great songs, like Midnight Train in Georgia and things like that. And this was his first hit called Poke Salad Annie, which later got the honor of being recorded by Elvis Presley. So the gigs we did with Tony Joe White, he would come out on stage with two little amplifiers, and he had a Gibson stereo guitar. So when you have a stereo guitar, out of one side comes the bass, and the other side comes the guitar. He put a real heavy string on for an E string on the bass, like put like a 60 gauge on, and tuned it down to D, and they would play in the key of D and the rest of the guitar. It sounded like he had a bass player. His brother played drums, and the two of them did a great show. And listen to him talk in the beginning of this. It's really great. Tony Joe White with Poke Salad Annie. South too much, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about this so that you understand what I'm talking about. Down there we have a plant that grows out in the woods and the fields. Looks something like a turnip green. Nearby called it poke salad. Poke. Maybe that's where Creedence Clearwater got a lot of their sound, that kind of swampy, incredible sound. 
So here's a guy that I've loved for many, many years. I heard this song way, way back. His name is Bob Seger. He was a legend in the state of Michigan. He played all over the place, played every rock and roll bar there was. And he put out some great records. One was called Two Plus Two Is On My Mind, an anti-war song. And then this song came out called Ramblin' Gamblin' Man that very much influenced me writing, taking care of business. It just goes on and on and on the same three chords with really great story lyrics. And in the mid-70s when BTO became big and we had a number one album and record, and I got asked, who do we want to open our show because we were now headlining. I picked Bob Seger. We had to go find him in a bar somewhere in Michigan. And he, for the next two years, opened over 200 shows for BTO. And it kind of revived his career because he used to be on Warner Brothers and Capitol. His albums were all deleted. And because he was touring with us to so many people, the labels then went after him. He asked me to produce him. I couldn't. I was busy doing BTO and Trooper. And I got Jack Richardson, who was my earlier producer from the Guess Who, to produce Bob Seger, and Jack did, and that was another career for Jack Richardson. Here is Bob Seger with the Silver Bullet Band, Ramblin' Gamblin' Man. Gamblin' Man, Bob Seger. We mentioned Woodstock earlier, and these guys were on at Woodstock. This was a really great song they did at Woodstock. It's got tempo changes in, but everybody can sing along with it. Basically from Tommy, their rock opera. Here is The Who, Roger Daltrey, Pete Townsend, the incredible Keith Moon, and John Entwistle, who I toured for a year with, the Ringo Starr All-Star Band, John Entwistle on bass. Here is The Who, or as in England they call them, The Ooh. See me, feel me, touch me. That was a double face kicker by The Who. See Me, Feel Me, Touch Me, and Pinball Wizard. Going to get back to Canada, a great song written by Robbie Robertson. I think it has the wrong title. It's called The Weight. Nowhere in the entire song do they say the words The Weight. I would call it Take a Load Off Annie, but I think you know what I'm talking about. The great Leave on Helm on vocals, written by Robbie Robertson, sung and played by the band. Here we go with The Weight. Take a Load Off Annie. That was the band with the weight. 
back to Led Zeppelin 1, their first album, and a great bluesy song showing off the band, which is singing guitar, bass, and drums, You Shook Me. me led zeppelin coming back to canada they were called sparrow they had a couple of the edmonton brothers in there and they had a guy from journey named john k they changed their name to steppenwolf they had monster hits in the late 60s all into the 70s we all know born to be wild here's steppenwolf with their rock classic closing our show called rock me John Kane, Steppenwolf with Rock Me Baby. And that's our last song. The ride is over. You can unbuckle your seatbelt. And thank you for listening. And if you liked it and you liked the ride, we'll be back here, same place, in six days and 22 hours. I'm Randy Backman, your host, and produced by Todd Elvidge. And that's it for now. I'll be back with another Vinyl Tapcast very soon. <laughs>